And thank you very much, Brother Chad. And thank you to, again, all the VBS volunteers and, and to the participation of, of uh, the young, young people, the children that attended. So we praise the Lord for, for that opportunity. And brothers and sisters, I invite you now, uh, still as you're willing and able to remain standing with me uh, for our next reading. And I'll be reading from 2 Peter chapter 2, and I'll read verses 10 through 12. Again, this is 2 Peter chapter 2, and brothers and sisters, I'll be reading verses 10 through 12. He and I, the perfect and God-breathed word. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. And dearly beloved, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. And brothers and sisters, I invite you to, to be seated. And Beloved, I also invite you to bow your head with me and please hear this prayer of illumination before the message this morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. O King of Israel, as shepherd, as father, we, we come before thee, Lord, trusting fully in thy righteousness. We are vessels of mercy, all because of thy blood, all because of thy sacrifice, all because of thy steadfast and covenantal love toward us. O Lord, if words they, they break, they fall apart when we seek to truly praise thee for the promise of life in heavenly Zion, the new Jerusalem, Canaan. Father, we are so thankful that out of the, the depths of thy mercy, Thou hast loved us with an unspeakable love. Lord, our union with Thee, our being engrafted into Thee, the true vine, again, our being vessels of mercy, this is a final and fixed and eternal salvation. We are truly Thy children. Thou hast called us by name, Quicken thou us, O Lord, that we might heed every word which cometh from thy mouth. Righteous Father, I pray that thou would speak through me, a wretched man that I am. I can say nothing upbuilding, nothing encouraging, nothing as it were sharpening to my brethren, my brothers and sisters in thee, unless it be strictly conformed to this thy inerrant and holy word. Build us up, O Lord, we beg thee in thyself. We ask all this for thy sake. We pray in thy name. Christ, our soul mediator. Amen. And brothers and sisters, today we're continuing in a sermon series on 2 Peter. And very briefly, at the beginning of the message, I'm going to repeat some of what we have looked at and I have 
through the help of the Spirit preached about in the messages preceding um, the message today on 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. So again, Brother Peter, at this time, he is an older man. He is nearing the end of his life. And a wonderful, as it were, parallel to meditate on the aged wisdom of Peter is the example of John, the beloved disciple. Um, John, when he wrote 1, 2, and 3, John, when the Spirit wrote that through him, uh, when he was on Patmos, he was nearing the end of his life. So he had been serving the Lord for many years. Brother Peter, likewise, at this point, had been serving the Lord, had been in Christ for many years. And Peter is sharing wisdom which comes from above. But Brother Peter is in Rome at this time, and Brother Peter has heard about problems in Gentile churches. And the general problem in the Gentile churches, as far as I can observe by the help of the Spirit quickening me, and then relying on wisdom of men like Martin Lloyd-Jones, who I've talked about a fair amount in the series on Second Peter, it's clear that the brothers and sisters, the brethren in Christ in these churches, false teachers had come in and told them that they didn't need to be diligent. They didn't need to be circumspect. They didn't need to be watchful. That, as it were, a careless and a broad and easy life was somehow synonymous with Christian living. And Brother Peter is concerned about that, he writes to his beloved brothers and sisters and says plainly, that is not true. Um, these false teachers, they want to present to you this easy and broad and careless path. And to invoke some wisdom from J.C. Ryle for a moment, he would have said that that's as it were redefining Christianity, which cannot be redefined. It is set, it is finished, it is biblically and perfectly explained. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Um, so Brother Peter sees what Martin Lloyd-Jones had called a spiritual slothfulness or lethargy. Um, and Brother Peter is saying to his beloved friends, follow Christ with all of your might. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be a soldier for Christ Jesus. And now, friends, to speak more directly about verses 10 through 12. <clears throat> Um, the first real point of the message will be, um, with the help of the Spirit, a serious look at what it means that these false teachers were speaking evil of dignities and even the angels who are in Christ, or excuse me, who are for Christ, by Christ, in his army, they didn't even scoff at or not take seriously the power of fallen angels. So that'll really be the first point of the message. The next point of the message will really be, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> I'm sorry. In that point of the message, there'll be some, some tactics we can implement about what it means to truly be on a guard against Satan. And then an additional point of the message, I'm gonna talk more about what it means to be heavenly minded or what it means to truly walk in Christ. An additional point of the message, I'm going to speak um, in more detail about what it means to, to truly have a renewed mind. So 
Now to begin with what Peter's saying about these, these fallen angels. So I'm going to read some of this again. And this is, in all fairness, I'm in submission to, to God and His Spirit. This is, this is a verse of Scripture that is, is more complex and deserves very serious attention. And Augustine of Hippo would say, the Lord, He puts passages of Scripture like this into His Word because He wants us to always be thinking. So, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Again, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. And in the Greek, speak evil of dignities literally can be translated also as blaspheming glories. And then Brother Peter says this, whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. And in effect, and this is not my interpretation, I'm just following the basic Protestant historical interpretation of these verses. What this means is that the false teachers who had crept in to the church of Christ, they thought that Satan and his fallen angels were inconsequential, that their power wasn't a real power, that their beguiling their tricks were not real tricks. So Brother Peter knows that's a problem because Scripture says that Satan is a prowling lion. So he says, in response to the false teachers, the angels don't even do that. That's to say, the angels in the army of the Lord who will return with him on the cloud, they don't even say that Satan and fallen angels are without power. So that's something that Brother Peter is saying. And I'm going to speak more directly about how we who are in Christ can truly be on our guard against Satan. Again, we who are in Christ can truly be on our guard against Satan because we should never fall into this pattern of false teaching of thinking that the devil's power and the power of fallen angels doesn't exist. That's not a biblical way to, to follow the Lord. Again, on the contrary, the Lord tells us that Satan is a prowling lion. He's the father of lies. He seeks to devour us. But brother or sister, I say this now, you have the mind of Christ. Brother, sister, you have a wall round about you. You have a shield and a buckler. You have a sword of the spirit. The fiery darts of Satan will ricochet off, as it were, and break in the dust when they come against God and his truth. The Lord tells us in his word, Satan and all his minions, all his demons, his fallen angels, will not prevail against the church of God. And if God says it, if he promises that, it will come to pass. So we don't just overlook the power of Satan and his wiles. We recognize that as a real thing because the Lord says it's real. But again, brother or sister, you are in Christ. Nothing can separate you. No trickery of Satan, no scheme of his minions can separate you from union and communion, a covenantal bond with your Lord and Master. And just briefly, I'll say this, and I've cited this example many times, and I will continue to, for the glory of the Lord, as your brother who loves you, our Lord himself, when he was in the desert, he responded to Satan when Satan tried to tempt him with the word of God. He himself, who is the word, has breathed out the word, who fulfills the word, who opens the word, 
he answered Satan with the word. Plainly and simply. Satan tries to attack us with his foolishness, with his trickery. You have the sword of the Spirit. You have the word of God. And as Martin Luther says in the great old hymn, one word, just one word from God will fill, will cut down the wiles of Satan. So we are in Christ. We have a strength that is, in effect, eternal and cannot be defeated by Satan and his fallen angels. We should still realize that they are wicked. We should still realize that they will try to tempt us and turn us away from the pathway of holiness. But the way we truly see that and we guard against it is continually looking to Christ, continually filling ourselves with the Word of God, thinking more about the Word of God, walking more diligently in Christ. And there's a wonderful quotation by a man whose name was Robert Murray McShane. He was a great Scotsman. And he said, for every one look he took at his difficulties, and we could say, for example, his temptations, um, his trials, he looked to Christ ten times. So when Satan, he creeps at the door, and we read about that, our brother read that in Genesis today. When he creeps at the door, look to Christ. It's so simple and so beautiful. Satan can't prevail against Christ and his church. <clears throat> Satan is defeated. His head is bruised. Christ has defeated the prince of the air. You have union with Christ. You have, as it were, a wall of Jerusalem round about you. You have armor. You have weapons of warfare. You have the promise of eternal life. Satan cannot take that from you. He'll tempt us. He'll try to. He's a prowling lion. He won't stop. But again, we have the mind of Christ. <clears throat> when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and you are born again from above, Scripture says this very plainly, and it's a beautiful thing. You are then sealed by Christ for Him. No wile of Satan, no trickery of the devil, no subtlety of him, the serpent, the dragon. None of that, absolutely none of that, can remove that seal from you. When you are claimed by Christ Jesus, nothing can separate you from that love. Praise God. Nothing. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. And we hear plainly, plainly that we have a word, we have a word that can equip us in this. This is Psalm 119, verse 98. Thou, through thy commandments, has made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. So that's to say, Satan is our enemy. He prowls. He calculates. He tricks false teachers. He tries to send them in. But you, brother or sister, and this is a promise to you and me now, in this very millisecond in time, we have commandments. We have a word that make us infinitely wiser than Satan. That's just a basic, simple, eternal promise. You have every weapon every, as it were, safeguard, every foundation, every mechanism necessary to persevere. <clears throat> Again, you are in Christ. You are kept by Him. 
Satan, his minions, cannot separate you from the love of your father. What a beautiful thing to know. In the most difficult trials that we might face, when Satan truly creeps at the door, he will not defeat us. He won't defeat us, and it's all because of Christ, a union in him. And now, brothers and sisters, I'm going to speak a bit more about the renewal of the mind because we hear Brother Peter say about these false teachers um, that they, they kind of made fun of, for lack of a better term, things they didn't understand. That the things that they couldn't quite fathom, or Scripture would, I think, imply the things that they didn't want to submit to in God's Word, they kind of made fun of it. They scoffed at it. And this is what Peter says about that type of sinful thinking of the false teachers. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. So I'm going to speak a bit about the need for our mind to be renewed. So Romans 12 will say, Be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind. And the world cannot transform my mind or your mind. The Spirit of God, the application of Christ's blood, the opening of his word, that transforms the mind. And again, brother or sister, when you are born again from above, when you are in Christ Jesus, you have the mind of Christ. That's what brother Paul says to his beloved at Corinth. That's what the Lord is saying to us now through his word. You have the mind of Christ. That means everything whether it be our parenting, um, our marriages, our friendships, our vocation, our retirement, some of the basic tasks of the day, all of, the, all of these things have to be tested and tried and guided by the Word of God because He who has transformed our minds has written a Word to continually fill our minds. I'll just say that again. He who has transformed our minds has written a word to continually fill our minds. So that's to say in all things, we should submit to the word of God. He alone can truly make us reasonable or thoughtful or diligent. His word is perfect. His word will shape and form the mind. And this is a progressive promise in Christ. That's to say... When we are in the Lord Jesus, he promises us that we will be more and more conformed to his image when we approach our death, or as we approach our death, excuse me. So that's to say we have a promise there of continual transformation. And we won't be perfect. We won't be without sin. Again, the Lord didn't remove the thorn from Brother Paul's side. He gave him the grace to persevere. Similar thing with Job. He didn't just take Job out of affliction, but he gave him the grace to persevere. But we are sanctified continually in Christ, but that's all a work of Israel's God within us. But as it were, we're not buoys. We have to choose by the grace of Christ within us to be filling our minds with his word daily and to truly seek to be, be more sanctified as we move towards final union with him. 
And I'm going to now conclude by talking a bit more about the need for us to be, be walking in the opposite way of uncleanness. So we hear, really in verse 10, this is what Brother Peter says, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Well, that's to say they despise authority. And in my view, Peter's talking about biblical godly authority. The false teachers did not like being rebuked about their sin. The false teachers did not like being, as it were, adjudicated by the word of God because of their sin. So there is a definite and categorical difference between, between people walking on, in uncleanness and people walking towards heavenly Zion. And scripture will say, for example, in Leviticus, really in, in the last, I think, two chapters of Leviticus, that we can walk one of two ways. Uh, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says that we are either walking in him, we are either walking in his word, or we're walking contrary to him. There's a yes and there's a no. The Lord tells us that lukewarmness is not something that Christians should be effectively guilty of. We have to be fully for Christ in him, walking in him. It's a beautiful image that comes up in this prayer book that we use weekly in the Valley of Vision. The children of God, as it were, they have been fired from the bow of God meaning you have been shot from the bow of God, fired from his bow towards holiness. So we have to be heading as it were Godward. We have to be diligent. And if we are truly in him, that means plainly that we will seek to walk in an upright, a pure, a biblical, and in a sincere way. And I'm going to conclude by reading a passage from the Psalter and then also reading a quotation by J.C. Ryle. And as I read this, I invite you, brother or sister, to meditate on the reality that you have the mind of Christ, that Satan cannot turn you, he cannot take you, he cannot remove God's seal, his stamp upon you, um, and that you and I, we should be walking uprightly we should be walking with diligence. This is Psalm 11, verses 4 through 7. And I invite you to really meditate on the difference between those who are at enmity with God, who do not want to submit to him, and those who are in him, or what David refers to as the righteous by the grace of God. This is Psalm 11, verses 4 through 7. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try. The children of men, the Lord tried the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and in horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Shall read this last verse again. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. And that's to say, when you are in Christ, you are in his countenance. You are in him, for him, by him. 
He rejoices when you rejoice in his righteousness. He delights when you delight in the word which he has breathed out, which is altogether delightful. That's to say, you are in his countenance. You are kept within the shadow of his wings. You are guarded. You are marked out. You are loved by the Lord Jesus. And that is entirely different than what David refers to here where the Spirit inspires him to say plainly and simply and writes through him saying that is a total and complete difference from the wicked or the violent who hate and despise the commandments of God. And brother, sister, you are given a new disposition to walk uprightly, but that is Christ holding you up, guiding you by his Spirit. But we have to choose with all of our might in him to be noble, to be more biblical. And I'll read a quotation here from J.C. Ryle from his great book called Holiness, and this is something he writes about sanctification, or that's to say growth and holiness when you're in God. Genuine sanctification will show itself in habitual respect to God's law and habitual effort to live in obedience to it as the rule of life. I'll read this again. Genuine sanctification will show itself in habitual respect to God's law and habitual effort to live in obedience to it as the rule of life. And that is to say, a mark of the new birth, an indicator that Christ has claimed us, is plainly and simply this, that we should delight in every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is your rule of faith and life. It is a rule of faith and life and practice, and may we submit to it. And brother, sister, I pray this day that you and I, we would just praise the Lord that he has truly engrafted us into himself and nothing, no fallen angel, no false teaching, no trick of Satan, brother or sister, nothing can separate you from that love. Nothing. Your father's love for you is perfect. It is unbreakable. He is preparing a place for his saints in the New Jerusalem. And that all flows from the perfection of his love for us. And may we just deeply appreciate him and praise him in all things. We ask this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.